Welcome back, everybody, for episode 28 of the Three Point Threat Podcast. I am your host, Jared Woodcox, and glad to be back on the show with you all. Um, exciting times for the Utah Jazz. Just five games left in the regular season. Um, obviously, they're in the thick of the playoff race. It's going to be fun to see how the end of the year shakes out. Uh, just a quick reminder for those of you who may be tuning into the Three Point Threat for the first time. This show is called the Three Point Threat because each episode I go over three points relating to the Utah Jazz or the NBA as a whole. And have a fun show for you guys today. It's three things that I think you'll enjoy hearing about. Uh, point number one, I want to update everyone on the playoff race and really give my predictions on how I think the Western Conference standings are going to end up. Uh, seeds 3 through 10, what I think the matchups are going to be, what I think the end of the year is going to bring, and, and who's going to end up where. And then we talk about those first round series just a little bit after that. So that'll be the first point. For point number two, obviously there's been a lot of surprises this year. This Jazz team has in a lot of ways exceeded expectations, um, especially the expectations that we had for them uh, midway through the season. I want to talk about the three biggest surprises um, in my mind, in my opinion, regarding the Utah Jazz this season. Then for point number three, as I do typically, I will be doing a week preview, looking at the three games the Jazz have this week. Obviously, they played the Lakers twice uh, with a game against the Clippers in between. Even though, you know, I know the Clippers are still in the hunt a little bit for a playoff spot, but even though these three teams aren't against, um, you know, necessarily playoff squads, it's definitely still a very important week for the Jazz. They look to solidify their spot in the playoffs and hopefully even move up even further. Honestly, home court advantage is still within reach if a few things go their way. So an important week ahead for the Jazz. That's what's in store for the show today, guys. Without further ado, let's jump into point number one. Point one. All right, so in case you didn't already know, and I'm not sure how you could uh, not know, but obviously the Western Conference has been extremely tightly contested, and it seems like every single day the standings jumble around, you know, a team drops or a team surges, and really it's shuffled like crazy, you know, in the last couple weeks. Um, obviously it looks like Houston and Golden State, we know they're pretty much solidified in their spots at the 1 and 2, um, but 3 through 10 really could still go many ways, so I want to go through each team, um, starting with the 3 seed all the way down to the current 10 seed, and give my thoughts on, on what's left for them to close out the season, where each team's going to end up, and what I think the first round in the Western Conference is going to end up looking like. So, beginning with the third seeded Portland Trailblazers, uh, they're obviously 48 and 29. They have a nice three game lead um, on the San Antonio Spurs, who are fourth. Quite honestly, I don't see the Blazers dropping out of third place, uh, but it is entirely possible. For example, they do still have to play the Spurs um, for the game that will decide the tiebreaker. They have a couple other hard contests left as well. Uh, the Blazers will play the Dallas Mavericks, uh, then the Houston Rockets, the Spurs, as I mentioned, uh, then the Denver Nuggets, who could still be fighting for a playoff spots, and of course, last game of the year against our very own Utah Jazz. Um, you know, what I think is going to happen here, and it's a little bit tough because obviously once you get to the end of the year, you don't know, you know, which teams are going to be resting players, um, which teams are going to have their seed locked in, so they might not be as motivated to really fight for a win. So it gets really tough this time of year, especially where it's so tightly contested right now, uh, but the teams could separate themselves a little bit down the road. It gets pretty hard to predict what the game's going to look like. So going in order of the games the Blazers have left, I think they're going to beat the Mavs. And then lose to the Rockets, uh, lose to the Spurs. That one really is a, is a toss-up, though, but I'm going to pick the Spurs to win that one. Then I think the Blazers will beat the Nuggets. And then if the third seed is still in question, I hate to say this, but I'm going to go with the Blazers to beat the Jazz in that last game of the year. If it pans out that way, the Blazers will finish out the year 3-2, and two, uh, which means their final record will be 51-31. and 31. 
and based on my other predictions, I do think that will be good enough, um, obviously, for the Blazers to stay in third place. I feel really confident about that if, if things pan out that way. Uh, then there's the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, right now they're 45 and 32. As I mentioned, they're three games behind the Blazers. Um, they also only have a half game lead over the Thunder and just a game lead over the Jazz. I mean, it's really surprising how close the Jazz are to fourth place and home court advantage. Obviously, we also know that Utah has a three to one tiebreaker over the Spurs, so that's going to be something to watch. Um, it's interesting to just think that you know the Spurs they could get up to the third seed potentially. They they have an opportunity to potentially pass Portland, uh, but they could also still drop dramatically in the standings if they don't close out the season well. The regular season series between them and the Thunder is tied right now, but honestly, guys, I don't think that tiebreaker is going to come into play. Um, the Spurs are playing really well right now. They've really turned things around. Um, they've Their last two games, they looked really, really good against both the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, they had a couple kind of head-scratching losses to the uh, the Bucks and the Wizards before that. But still, the Spurs are 8-2 in their last 10. So like I said, they're playing really well. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see them finish out the year 5-0. I think they're locked in. I think they're focused. I think that they're ready to kind of put the Kawhi drama uh, to the side and just succeed with the group that they have. The remaining games on the schedule schedule for them, they have the Clippers, the Lakers, uh, the Blazers, the Kings, and the Pelicans. Um, the Pelicans actually lead the regular season series two to one, but they've been struggling of late. And like I said, I think the Spurs are, I think they're ready to go. They've been inconsistent all year, so maybe I'm wrong on this. And I could easily see them dropping some of these games, but I think they're going to beat all five of those teams. Obviously, the one against the Blazers and the one against the Pelicans are the most in question. Uh, the Clippers are still fighting for their playoff lives. They could give the, the Spurs a tough time, but I really do think the Spurs are going to beat the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, the Kings, and the Pelicans uh, to go undefeated to end the year, uh, which is it's going to be a tough task, but that's what I'm predicting here. That will raise the Spurs to 50 and 32, uh, which will keep them just a game behind the, the Trailblazers, and the Spurs will remain in fourth place. Next is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they're currently 45 and 33. A half game separates them in Utah. Um, obviously, you know, the Thunder, they've been wildly inconsistent all year, too, but we know there's still a threat. Um, you know, with Russell Westbrook and Paul George on that team, obviously they're going to be tough to beat to close out the season and, of course, uh, in the playoffs. Um, you know, I think the Thunder really want to get home court advantage. I think they're going to be determined to fight for that, and they still have a good shot at it. Um, unfortunately for them, though, they do have a pretty tough schedule remaining. Uh, their four games left are the Warriors, the Rockets, and then the Heat and the Grizzlies. Um, you know, the tough thing about this is with the Rockets and the Warriors, who knows what kind of team they're going to roll out. Maybe they're going to rest players. Um, you know, the Rockets did just recently lose to the Spurs with Chris Paul sidelined. You know, the Rockets might want to take it easy and rest some guys and probably aren't too concerned about, you know, a late season matchup against the Thunder. So really those Warriors and Rockets games could go either way. Still, I think the Warriors, you know, they've kind of lost a lot of games with their stars injured. Now that those guys are getting back, I think the Warriors want to end the regular season strong. So I think the Warriors will beat the Thunder. I'm going, ahead and, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Rockets to beat them as well. But then I think the Thunder will beat both the Heat and the Grizzlies. So that means the Thunder will close out the year 2-2. Two and two, And that means their final record will be 47-35. and 35, Which I believe will be good enough for 5th place. Uh, so sorry if it's a little boring so far. I promise I'm going to get a little crazier here later on. But so far I have the Blazers, the Spurs, and the Thunder staying in 3rd, 4th, and 5th place. 
On to the Utah Jazz, who are right now in sixth place at 44 and 33. Uh, you know, they're a half game out of fifth place, but they're also just a half game out of seventh place. So really every game is so, so vital, um, especially considering that they're also just two games out of the playoffs entirely. You know, the Jazz have not clinched yet. They got to take care of business in the week ahead um, and to close out the season. Obviously, this week they have the Lakers twice and then the Clippers sandwiched in between. Um, and then they'll close out the year against the Warriors and the Blazers. Once again, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but it's hard to know what kind of team the Warriors and the Blazers are going to roll out. There could be players resting. If the Blazers have the third seed locked up, no matter if they win or lose, they may very well uh, rest Damian Lillard or they may rest CJ McCollum. You know, there's a good chance that the Blazers and the Jazz are going to see each other again in the first round of the playoffs. If that's the case, the Blazers, you know, they may not want to kind of show their hand to the Jazz or maybe give the Jazz a, a false sense of security. Or on the flip side of that, they may want to get, you know, a, a kind of a practice game in um, for, for lack of a better term, and really get some more experience playing the Jazz and kind of show what they're made of in that last game of the regular season. I don't know. It's all going to depend how the season really, you know, pans out. But I think the Jazz are going to beat the Lakers both times and the Clippers, and I'm actually going to predict them to lose to both the Warriors and the Blazers. You know, the Jazz really have beat up on the Warriors the past few times. Uh, once was when the Warriors weren't playing with their stars, but the time before that was when the Warriors were at full strength and the Jazz absolutely annihilated them. I think the Warriors are going to want to prove a point and let the Jazz know that they're not to be trifled with and to just kind of, you know, beat the Jazz back down. I have a feeling the Warriors will go hard in that game. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jazz drop those last two of the season. That would have them, uh, you know, go 3-2 and two to close out the year, which would put them at 47-35. and 35. Um, That would have them tied with the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, based on my predictions. But since the Thunder have the tiebreaker, you know, the Thunder would stay in fifth, the Jazz would fall to sixth. Um, Minnesota Timberwolves, right now they're seventh. Uh, they're 44 and 34. They're a half game behind Utah, just a half game ahead of the Pelicans. Um, I think you guys are getting an idea of how close this is. A lot of half game differences between these teams. So a lot could still change dramatically. Um, but I got to say, I'm not impressed with the Wolves. I think they look awful. Um, I mean, they looked really dejected in the game against the Jazz, and they have in some other contests lately as well. A lot of speculation that Thibodeau is really, you know, running that team ragged. And while I was pleasantly surprised, I got to admit that I was shocked at how easily the Jazz beat them. I mean, they were great in the second half and really just ran away with it. I think the Timberwolves could be in danger of falling out of the playoffs entirely. They got to step things up in a big way. Um, you know, left on the schedule, they have the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Grizzlies, and then the Nuggets once again. And, you know, those games against the Nuggets are going to be huge, you know, not only for the Timberwolves to solidify their playoff spot, but to prevent the Nuggets from sneaking back into the playoff standings and taking their playoff spot. Also, you know, the, the Grizzlies have been bad this year, but the Grizzlies also recently beat the Timberwolves. So none of those games are gimmies the way that Minnesota has been playing. Um, I'm going to get a little crazy on this one, guys. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the determined Nuggets who have a ton of momentum from their game, you know, uh, against the Bucks, where they came back and won in overtime. I think the Nuggets are going to beat the Timberwolves both times uh, to make this interesting. Then I think the Timberwolves are going to find a way to get past the Lakers and the Grizzlies, and that will leave Minnesota finishing at 46 and 36. I'm not going to tell you what place that has them in yet, because I'm going to I'm going to get to that here in a second. Right now, in eighth place is the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, the Pelicans had been playing really well. They climbed up in the standings, looked like they were maybe going to get home court advantage in the first round. But all of a sudden, they've dropped four in a row. It's kind of been, you know, that seesaw story that a lot of teams in the West have experienced where they climb just to fall back down again after facing a few tough opponents and whatnot. The Pelicans have kind of an interesting schedule left. Uh, they play the Grizzlies and then the Suns and then the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Spurs. 
And, you know, we don't know, again, what the Warriors are going to roll out. We don't know what the Clippers are necessarily going to roll out. The Clippers could be eliminated by then, so maybe they're not as determined to, to fight hard in that game. Uh, the Spurs, who knows? Maybe they'll have, have clinched a spot by then and be stuck in it, depending on how the teams around them do. Um, but I think the Pelicans are going to beat the Grizzlies, the Suns, and I do think they'll get past the Clippers. But I also think they're going to lose to the Warriors, who, again, I think are going to want to finish out the year strong and, and put up some big wins. And I think they're also going to lose to the Spurs, as I mentioned earlier, which means the Pelicans will go 3-2 and two to close out the year. Um, and that will mean they'll be tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves as well at 46-36. and 36. And it's important to remember that the Wolves actually won the series over the Pelicans 4-0. So bear that in mind as I go on to this next team, and that's the Denver Nuggets. And I'll be honest, I thought the Denver Nuggets were dead in the water. I've thought that for a while now. And when I saw the score, you know, early in the game between them and the Bucks, I thought that was kind of the uh, the nail in the coffin to finish off the Denver Nuggets. Uh, but they came back and won that game. Now they're just one game out of the playoffs. Uh, they do own the tiebreaker over the Pelicans, so that's something really important to watch over the course of the, of the you know the next few games. Also, you know, the fact that the Nuggets play Minnesota twice more uh, this season. Um, that's going to be a big deal for the playoff picture. Those are actually, I would say those are must wins for both teams, really. If, if either team drops those, they could be in big trouble. Obviously, the Nuggets especially will probably be toast. Uh, but here's what the Nuggets have left. They play the Pacers, the Wolves, the Clippers, the Blazers, and then that second time against the Wolves. That's their five remaining games. Um, the Pacers have been playing extremely well this year. They've been one of the biggest surprises for me in the league, and I love watching them. But the, the Pacers have not won in Denver since the 2007-2008 season. For some reason, they always seem to struggle in the Mile High City. So I think that the, the Nuggets are going to win that one. And then as I mentioned, I'm going to go a little crazy. I think the Nuggets are going to ride their momentum, and they're going to take advantage of a defeated Wolves team, a Wolves team that's not playing very well. I'm going to give both of the games against the Wolves to the Nuggets. And then I think the Nuggets are going to beat the Clippers. It is on the road where the Nuggets have not played well. But I have a feeling by that point, especially if the Clippers do lose to both the Spurs and the Jazz, they'll pretty much be out of the running anyway. So I think the Nuggets are going to find a way to win that one. It'll be their first win over the Clippers this year. And then I do think the Nuggets will lose to the Blazers, assuming the Blazers are playing at full strength. If that all happens, then I have the Nuggets actually going on a surprising 4-1 run to close out the season. Um, I, I could be completely wrong on that because the Nuggets have been pretty up and down. Uh, but why not, right? Let's go out on a limb on this one, like I said. If the Nuggets do that, they will also finish the year 46-36, and 36, just like I have both Minnesota and New Orleans. So what does that mean for the standings? Well, as I mentioned, the big thing there, well, since it would be a three-way tie, the tiebreaker goes to the teams that have the best records amongst those three. And since Minnesota is 4-0 against New Orleans, obviously that's really going to hurt the Pelicans. So essentially Minnesota's record in that, you know, they still have to play the Nuggets twice, but I've picked the, the Nuggets to beat them both times. So the Timberwolves would be 6-2 and two against those three teams with the four wins over New Orleans and the two wins over the Denver Nuggets. Meanwhile, the Nuggets are 2-1 and one against New Orleans right now. Um, so if they beat the Wolves two times, as I've, I've predicted, then they will be 4-3 and three amongst those three. And New Orleans, who only has one single win against Denver, will be 1-4. and four, And that will put the Pelicans out of the playoffs. Um, again, might be crazy. I know the Nuggets don't really have the resume this year to back up. They are going to get that hot and go 4-1. and one, But I'm going to go for it. I think that those three teams are going to tie. That the Wolves, the Pelicans, the Nuggets are all going to be 46-36. and 36, 
and that the Pelicans are actually going to end up being forced out and miss the playoffs by tiebreaker. Um, like I said, could be totally wrong. The Nuggets could very easily lose to the Pacers and see their hopes dashed real quick. Uh, the games against the Wolves that the Nuggets have and the game against the Clippers, none of those are going to be easy. And the Nuggets have been such a weird team this year, to be honest. So I guess don't count on that happening, guys, but it's a fun prediction, so I'm going to go with it. Last of all is the uh, Clippers. Uh, the Clippers are 41-36. and 36. They're in 10th place right now. They're two games out of the playoffs. They're not toast yet. You know, they really mathematically have a chance. And if someone else slumps like the Timberwolves or the Pelicans, maybe the Clippers find a way. But they just have such a tough schedule that I don't see them having much of a chance. You know, I already mentioned that I think they're going to lose to the Spurs, the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Pelicans. Obviously, those are all huge games. Um, all those are big for the Clippers' playoff chances. And if they lose all those, they're in big, bad trouble. I think they will win the last game against the Lakers. That'll likely be kind of just a consolation prize. And that means the Clippers would finish 42 and 40. And as I said, in 10th place out of the playoffs. So, you know, if my crystal ball is functioning correctly and I get all these right, that means the first round of the Western Conference playoffs are going to be uh, the 1-8 seed will be Houston against Denver. The 2-7 will be Golden State against Minnesota. The 3-6 will be the Blazers against the Jazz. And the 4-5 will be the Spurs against the Thunder. And a lot of these series really intrigue me. I mean, I don't think Denver stands much of a chance against Houston. Um, so I think we all know kind of how that would look. Minnesota actually has played relatively well against Golden State. I mean, as well as you can against a team that good. With Steph Curry out, and if Jimmy Butler makes a miraculous comeback in time for the playoffs and can actually be a factor, who knows? Maybe we see kind of a competitive series. Uh, but obviously, I'm not going to pick Minnesota to win that by a long shot, especially since I've been kind of expressing doubt about Minnesota this whole time. Um, the Blazers-Jazz series, that would be a fascinating one. And honestly, I think the Jazz could pull it off. I think they match up well against the Blazers. I think Portland's going to miss uh, Mo Harkless more than they might think. Um, and obviously, I think that Gobert has the advantage over uh, Nurkic. And so it'd be a fun one, but I like the Jazz in that matchup. Then Spurs-Thunder, it'd be another fun one, honestly. Kind of, kind of, you know, the star-studded Thunder team against a experienced and grizzled Spurs team. Um, I think the Spurs have the edge in that one, especially if they have home court advantage. Um, and if they keep playing the way they have of late, I like the Spurs in that one. So obviously, guys, this could change a lot. You know, the teams are so close in the standings. There could be, you know, a team that I have as high as fourth that drops out of the playoffs entirely based on how they close out the year in these last five or four games, depending on the team. But that's what I'm sticking with. Let's see if I'm right. We'll touch base on it next week. But with all that being kind of wrapped up, let's move on to point number two. Point two. So as I mentioned in the intro, obviously this Jazz team has been full of surprises this year. Um, a lot of things that, you know, I think Jazz fans would say they've been pleasantly surprised about, they didn't see coming. I want to talk about the three biggest surprises for me on this Jazz team this year. Some are pretty predictable. Uh, a couple others, I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with all of them, um, but not quite as maybe noticeable, I guess. First one is uh, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I just, I can't go without talking about him again. I think we all were excited about him going into the season. We all were optimistic that he could be good. You know, I think some of us felt like we were being bold saying, yeah, he's going to average 10 points in his first year with the Jazz. That was kind of a bold prediction that he could get into double figures. A lot of us thought that, you know, he would show promise and he'd be good, but probably wouldn't be, you know, putting up the crazy numbers that he is. Lo and behold, Donovan Mitchell has blown us all away. He surpassed the 20-point-per-game mark. He's averaging 20.3. Obviously leads all rookies as well as his whole Jazz team. I mean, he is a legitimate Rookie of the Year candidate. Not just one of those, well, he should be in the conversation or he deserves recognition. He's a legitimate candidate. He is going to be either the Rookie of the Year or the runner-up. Obviously, it's come down to between him and, him and Ben Simmons. Um, and that's really awesome, guys. It's surprising to see the Jazz were able to nab such a star. 
uh, with just the 13th pick in the draft. And there's bright things ahead for Donovan Mitchell. And in turn, there's bright things ahead for this Jazz team. So he's been awesome. You know, I could go on and on about him all show long, but I've talked about him a lot in recent shows. So I'll spare you that. Just know that Donovan Mitchell's been an awesome surprise and certainly one of the three biggest of the season. The next one, um, I know obviously it's easy to talk about, you know, Utah's turnaround. They were 19 and 28. Uh, you know, nine games below 500. Now they're 44 and 33. That's 11 games above 500. You know, they had those two big win streaks, the 11 game win streak, the nine game win streak. Those are all extremely surprising. You could say the fact that the Jazz are even in the playoff mix is incredibly surprising. And I'm not disputing that whatsoever. It's That's a huge surprise. But the one I want to talk about is a little more specific. I want to talk about the Utah Jazz's performance on the road. To me, that has been an even bigger surprise than even these big turnarounds where they've gone on these big runs and them getting back in the playoff mix. I mean, earlier in the year, the Jazz were 5-19 and on the road. It literally felt like, you know, if we're not playing within Vivint Smart Home Arena, we're going to lose the game. It didn't matter if it was the Suns. It didn't matter, you know, who it was we were going to lose if we weren't playing at home. It was so discouraging and so bad. And, of course, we saw that trend continue when the Jazz had that embarrassing loss in Atlanta, and it seemed like just truly the Jazz were never going to reverse that trend. Well, all of a sudden, they've rattled off 14 road wins in their last 15 and are now 19-20 and 20 on the road. You know, if they win their last two road games, uh, the one against L.A., the Lakers, and the one against the Portland Trailblazers, they'll finish above 500 on the road. And like I said, considering they were 5-19 and 19 earlier in the year, that's absolutely astounding. And it's not just that the Jazz have you know gotten lucky on some of these road games. They're actually, in recent contests, have been playing better on the road than at home. I think the game in Minnesota on Sunday was a perfect example of that. The Jazz have been phenomenal on the road. They've almost looked like they've had a different energy, a different chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, maybe it almost makes us think, man, maybe we don't want the Jazz to get home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, uh, just with how well they've been playing on the road. Um, obviously, we'd like to see them have that same energy and that same intensity at home. And I think they'll be just fine, you know, regardless of where they're playing in the playoffs, they're going to kind of balance this out. But it's just been so surprising to me that a team that seemed so unfocused and so flat-footed and so unable to produce in road games has all of a sudden turned it around so well. And it's great to see. If we're going to win a playoff series, regardless of if we have home court advantage or not, and honestly, I think it's going to be a long shot for us to get home court advantage. Regardless of that, though, we're going to have to be able to win on the road. So it's great to see the Jazz have turned that around and they're doing that so well. Then last one I want to talk about, biggest surprise. Obviously, there's a ton of players who have been surprising this year. I mean, I think Royce O'Neal is one that has an undrafted rookie to come in and play as well as he had. He's been a big surprise. Uh, Joe Ingles obviously continues to play so well. Dante Exum, you know, the fact that he was able to come back, and he's looked so good in his few games back. Obviously, Gobert coming back from a pair of injuries, he's been pretty surprising. Derek Favors. Uh, but again, all these ones are awesome, but not the ones I want to talk about. The big surprise I want to talk about for my third uh, surprise of the year is Ricky Rubio. And I got to be honest with you guys, I was as hard on Ricky Rubio as anyone. I was pretty critical. Um, you know, I'd been optimistic coming into the season, but the way he started, it just looked like he was not going to be a fit in Utah. Our spacing was horrible. The team's net rating with him on the floor was absolutely horrible. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, Ricky Rubio has been playing extremely well, and it's been a big surprise to me. I have been silenced. I have eaten my words, and I am happy to do so. I'm glad to see Ricky Rubio playing so well. I mean, you look at his numbers in January, February, and March, and he's shooting over 40% from the field in each of those months, which doesn't sound like much, but 
for a guy like Rubio, who's really struggled with his shot at times, it's a pretty big deal. Um, in February, he went 47.8% from the field and an astounding 50% from three. You know, he's shooting the three ball much better than he was earlier in the year. Um, he's currently on 34.5% on the season, which isn't bad, but it's actually better than Donovan Mitchell, if you can believe that right now. And then I think his latest game against the Minnesota Timberwolves was just a perfect example of how good you know, Rubio has been lately when he's been on. And, and, you know, in that game, he shot, you know, 9 of 14 from the field, went 5 of 6 from three-point range. It really was a revenge game for Ricky Rubio. Um, But, you know, ignoring his uptick in shooting efficiency, which obviously has been huge, you know, Ricky Rubio is just, even still with this improvement, he's not known as a shooter, and he's still done so many other things well. Just his effort is always there. He's become very proficient as running the, at running the offense. You know, his assist numbers are down from what we hoped they would be when he joined the team, um, but he's still playing well within the system. I think it took him a long time to get assimilated with Quinn Snyder's, you know, system and style of play. But now that Ricky Rubio is really meshing with this team, he's been sensational. And he's really looking now, you know, I'd say even better than I hoped he would be, but, you know, more along the lines of what I hoped he would be. But what makes him so surprising is just how much he was able to turn it around from earlier in the season. Because those games, you know, early in the year, it was looking like the Ricky Rubio experiment was not going to work at all. There were a lot of Jazz fans, you know, including myself to some extent, that were open to trading him at the trade deadline and just scratching it and starting over. Obviously, that's why I'm not in the front office and most of us fans are not because, like I said, all of a sudden Rubio is looking phenomenal. So those are really my three biggest surprises of the year, guys. Donovan Mitchell and his, you know, unforeseen Rookie of the Year campaign. Uh, the Jazz's road record, which went from 5-19 and to now 19-20. and And last of all, Ricky Rubio, who's been great of late and expect him to continue to play well as we push our way into the playoffs. Let's conclude now uh, with point number three. Point three. All right, so I realized that with my first point, as I previewed the end of the season for all the Western Conference teams, I kind of ruined my week preview, but still wanted to go over what I expect in the week ahead. Obviously, the Jazz will have two games at home. They have the Lakers on Tuesday and the Clippers on Thursday. Then they'll finish up on the road against the Lakers once again on Sunday. And, you know, none of these games are going to be gimme games. They're all going to be tough. Uh, the, you know, the Lakers kind of went on a nice little run after the All-Star break, um, but they're kind of coming back down to earth now. They've lost seven of their last ten, and you know I, I just I don't think the Jazz should have much of a problem with them. You know Julius Randle and, and Kyle Kuzma continue to play extremely well, but with how determined the Jazz are to get in the playoffs, um, I really think they're gonna come out on top. I know it's easy to say, well, hey, they just lost to the Hawks not long ago, and hey, they lost to the you know the uh, the injured Celtics team who are rolling by the way. So I think that one was a little more ex- excusable than some people might think. Uh, but you know the Hawks obviously presented a bit of a, a matchup problem for us this year. I don't foresee the Lakers doing that. I really do feel confident the Jazz will beat the Lakers at home. And then based on how the Jazz have been playing on the road, I mean, heck, they might even have a bigger win against the Lakers in Staples Center because the Jazz have been playing so well away from home. So I think that both those games will be wins for the Jazz. The one against the Clippers is going to be more of a challenge. Um, the Jazz have fared pretty well against the Clippers so far this year. They're 2-1 and one against them, but haven't played them since the Blake Griffin trade. So it'll be interesting to see how the Jazz match up against Tobias Harris, Obviously, uh, he's been really good for them. Uh, Lou Williams continues to be sensational. And like I said, if the Clippers can sneak one past the Spurs in their first game of the week, they're going to you know, be able to smell the playoffs even more and be even hungrier. They could be a dangerous team. Uh, but again, I like this matchup-wise for the Jazz. I feel like they've played really well against the Clippers um, on Utah's home court. I think they're going to have a nice edge there. 
And, you know, maybe it's overly optimistic. I know that I cause trouble sometimes when I get too optimistic. But I do think the Jazz go 3-0 this week, guys. I'm feeling really confident about how the Jazz looked in, in Minnesota. I think that they've kind of shaken off some of their little woes from from the seven games before that. Um, hopefully they kind of carry that momentum over and realize, hey, it's it's almost playoff time. we got to be locked in. We can't um, take any plays off, any games off. All these games are so important. So that's what I'm picking the Jazz to be at. Next week's going to be tough. I know that in my earlier predictions, I, I predicted the Jazz would go 0-2, losing to both the Warriors and the Blazers. But in the next podcast, you know, maybe things will have changed. Maybe I'll have a different outlook on those two games. Maybe we'll know a little bit better about who's going to be resting. So I'll hold off on giving final predictions on those until next week's pod. So make sure you tune into that one. But I do think the Jazz are going to go 3-0 and this upcoming week. That's going to do it for today's show, you guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, hope you're looking forward to a fun couple last weeks of the regular season. And then it's going to be playoff time. And, and things are going to get really exciting. Make sure you guys are subscribing to the 3 Point Threat Podcast on iTunes. Also follow it on Twitter at 3P Threat Podcast. You can follow my personal handle as well, at Jared Woodcox. Then, of course, be sure to keep up to date with thejnotes.com uh, for all our latest articles and news on the jazz. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. So long. Until next time.